Hi, I'm John O'Scott. He's Ben Strivens. Hi. And we, we watch, watch anything. anything. We trawl the depths of Netflix to find three films of the same genre, of the same genre, and watch them so you don't have to. I take one, he takes one, and there's one we both watch. So you know what to add to your list, or smash with your fist. Hello everyone, We Watch Anything is back for our 10th, yes, 10th episode. We have hit double digits. For that, we're having a very small party that involves not having a party, but in our heads there's a party going on. Jono, how's the party in your head? I am, my, well, my, my head party, that's weird, is, is awesome. I was really excited. I'm really excited. We're 10 podcasts old. I, you know, I thought it would be months before we'd get to this point, And here we are. It's our 10th cast day or something. I like and the idea of cast day. That's quite sweet. I know. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I, 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 I'm really pleased. And, um, and I was just going to quickly go over some of the... I mean, we've done what we set out to do. We have found some genuinely interesting things that I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily watch. And we've recommended Completely them. Agreed. We've also endured quite a lot of dross well, we've hopefully, and hopefully saved, saved some, people saved from some, some yeah. Ter- yeah some terrible exactly. fates and it's like so so going through some of my favorites um well just to go through some of them uh night of the wolf late phases i quite like that you didn't like that much but i genuinely like that i really loved pimpernel smith from our spy episode mm-hmm. i enjoyed the dreadful but fun invaders from mars from our alien invasion episode most recently in found footage i really liked creep i loved when worlds collide from disaster movies and we both quite liked that silly spanish spy time movie as well didn't yes, we? we did and we really liked what did we really like Ben? Well, we both really liked one of our least listened to episodes, <laughs> The Boyfriend School, yeah. also known as Don't Tell Her It's Me. Yeah, with the lovely Gutenberg. Yeah, that's 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 one of my highlights, I think. Yeah. Um that uh I also really liked The Voices, the Ryan Reynolds movie. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that one. Yeah. I yeah. I really liked in a sort of bizarre crossover cross-pollination thing Creep from your yeah. um your found footage <laughs> yeah. thing. And obviously, Thief from last week, the oh, yeah. uh, rather brilliant Michael Mann movie that I just found lying under a rock. Yeah, and I think, I mean, my least favourite film that we both watched was probably Invoked. But I, uh, out of the films I've watched, I really didn't like Accidental Love. But in terms of, I think, I mean, you have given yourself a Sam Peckinpah movie and you've given <laughs> yourself a Michael Mann movie. For God's sake! But <laughs> well, I, I also think you have taken the you've taken the biggest hits because I do think um, I I still think Life, um, without, Life Dick. without Dick sounds like the worst piece of poo ever. Well, and, just, and I, I, as I said, that. I watched the trailer and it looked awful. Like you say, there's been highs, there's been lows, but this is episode ten. So by the end of this episode, we'll have watched thirty movies and shared what wow. we think about them. Which, wow. you know, if you average it out as two hours a movie, that's 60 hours. Maybe, you know, some oh of them are a bit God. shorter. So we're looking at sort of maybe around 50 hours of movie oh watching that we've God. sputtered on the uh, the podcast airwaves about. Oh, Lord, when you put it like that. Oh, <laughs> what a waste of time. Oh, no, I think, you know. No, no, we, no we're, we're providing a service, an important service. It's great. Yeah, it's and great. The, the good shit we watch anything will sail on into the uh, into infinity and beyond. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, I, I mean, I'm going to get started, dude. Yeah, I was going to say, in the spirit of you know recapping the old ones, him out with the old, in with the new. 
All right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try so, and say as many annoying things as I can. <laughs> well, you gave us um, crime last time. So I, did. I went with I went with prison to sort of be with the other side of the coin. Hmm. Um, so, it, yeah, prison dramas. Um, <laughs> and I, I, so I go, the thing, I, I, I'm not a huge uh prison dramery film kind of guy but then I, I you know no. as always I was sort of thinking about it going okay so the the, the prison films I've actually seen the most <laughs> I, I realised was Stir Crazy which is and The Great. Great Escape and I know like prisoner war films in ways is definitely in a separate camp isn't it yeah um, but I, I think it can edge no into prison intended. movies I mean it doesn't it doesn't have that sort of like you know screws versus or, or guards whatever you want to call them versus no, it, the, the, the inmates thing as much well, I guess it does though. It's war, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's exactly, it, they're yeah. war movies. But I, I know what it's you, different. I know what you're though. It's a different vibe, but definitely in terms of just purely a prison film that I've seen the most often. I think in position one is The Great Escape. Mm-hmm. In position two, probably is Stir Crazy, which is you know the wow. dear departed Gene um, Gene Wilder and uh, Richard Pryor. Yeah. Um, but just because I went through a particular stage where me and my sisters watched that a lot. Um, well, and then. Yeah, so what what were your influences prison wise? Um prison wise, I mean funny actually funny enough, one of the um movies that you sort of pinged me about saying, Have you seen this? is Escape from Alcatraz, which oh, is yeah. one of the prison movies I've probably seen the most, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah, quite a few times. It's cracking. Um yeah, that's one of those films I've still not seen. Yeah, well you should. But then again, I've never seen Midnight Express either, and that's one of those prison things which you really should see. Oh uh, yeah, I have seen that. Yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, whenever I enthuse to people about Midnight Run, it's surprising how often they go, they sort of like don't understand, you know, they think I'm t- <laughs> they say, I thought it was about a Turkish prison. <laughs> it doesn't sound like Charles Grodin's like- in a Turkish prison, yeah. Um, we should do an episode where we just talk about Midnight Run because we could just go on about it. I know, it yeah. we really should. Oh, we just bore people senseless. Uh, but. Well, Cool Hand Luke is another sort of famous oh, yeah? one. Yeah, Green yeah, Mile yeah. more recently. I, which... I've only seen the Green Mile once. Which I, 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 the book was very good. I feel like. And it's Darabont, isn't it? Which I feel, yeah, I feel yeah. like I want to revisit it. And well, Green there's... Mile is one of those ones I've seen it all the way through, but in sort of segments. And um, oh, yeah. I've kind of. I, I, well, I like bits of it without necessarily loving the whole film. It's funny you should say that because the book itself was released in segments. Oh, that is interesting. It was a six-part uh, no, release. Um, but I would also... You know, Shawshank is obviously one of the mm-hmm. movies most people have seen a lot. And yes. it turns up... It's one of the most uh, used movies in my favourite film in dating profiles, apparently. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, I guess it shows a sort of sensitive, slightly arty side. Well, as well, I mean, the thing is, obviously, yeah, it's it's wildly popular, so it's a bit boring to say it, but it is genuinely... I mean, it is a brilliant film. It just is. So, oh, yeah, um, that's cracking. Yeah. Although I still don't like the way they changed the ending from the book, but, you know. Well, I can't... It's a short story, isn't it? Well, not novellery, really. Oh, is it? Is it? It's not yeah. long. All oh, right. Well, I've never read it. Oh, really? Oh, you should. It's great. Absolutely mm. great. Um, as per uh, tradition, let's not flip things around. We're only 10 episodes old. Jono, yeah. what did you what did you give yourself then? Go on, did you... Did you unearth a lost Spielberg prison movie? Or Yeah, so my film's uh, Maximum Conviction from 2012 with Stephen Seagal. Oh, wow, a late Seagal. Like an almost contemporary mm-hmm. Seagal. Yes. Um, wow, how is he doing? Uh, well, it, I mean, well, first of all, just it shares a lot of things with um, Shawshank in that they're both, um, they're both, they're both in a prison and mm-hmm. it's, they both got sort of upright bipeds speaking American English. <laughs> there are guns in both of them. That's um, great. But, but that's where it all it all falls down. So, um, okay, so it's from 2012. It's directed by a bloke called Keona Waxman, Keone Waxman, who apparently 
well, no, he does collaborate with Seagal quite a lot. Okay. And um, okay, so here's the setup: Steven Seagal plays a former black ops operative. Right. Him and his partner Manning, who's played by Steve Austin. Are you aware of Steve Austin? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay, so I must admit he was a, he was a, he was a new force for me. I'm, I'm not a massive. I've never been a wrestling fan, but I do know. No. Stone Cold Steve Austin, yes. Okay, so oh, so he's oh, yeah. Well, now I feel embarrassed that I didn't know him, but I didn't know him. Anyway, they're forced to defend a prison because a bunch of mercenaries are assaulting the prison to find two women who are held there. Now, this is so basically, it turns out that one of the women, one of the women, sorry, one of the women, is a former CIA agent, and they want her because she's got some secret files embedded in the chip in her body or okay. whatever. I don't quite understand it, and there's. So basically, there's some build-up where Steven Seagal and Stone Cold Steve Austin are there closing down the prison, and they're sort of they're going to be in charge of moving the soldier, the the, pe- the, the prisoners inmates. out and stuff. Yeah. yeah, but and then this kind of this truck turns up and it's got like a Troy wooden horsey type symbol of it, it's symbol on it. You know, it's Troy cleaners or something like that. Fine. So you know, <laughs> oh, it's going to have hidden soldiers inside it, which it totally does. It takes a while for the the violence to break. There's a certain amount of you know in Die Hard, um, mm. there's that sort of build up when you see the sort of the German underlings sort of working into the. The, the building, as oh, it were. I love the that scene. As everyone slowly wins the, the tendrils of like how yeah, Gruber's the squad te- exactly. to the Nakatomi Plaza. Awesome. Brilliantly put. So the, the tendrils of the of the squad. It takes a while for the tendrils of this squad mm-hmm. to sort of set up. But once the the sort of dam breaks, things get really quickly, ludicrously confusing because there are so many different groups of people in this prison all walking around with guns so like like i say the idea is that these baddies are turning up because you don't know for at first why they want them but they want these two women or one of the the female prisoners yeah but so the point is that once the action starts kicking off there's right there are these normal prisoners just bad guy prisoners mm-hmm. who are nasty then there's the two female prisoners then there are the prison guards, and they're divided into generic prison guards, traitorous prison guards, and good prison guards. Okay. Then there are the people that are here to take away the prisoners, who are seemingly good but turn out to be bad guys, so who are dressed up as marshals. Working for the people... Steven Seagal. Which ones? No, so sorry, they're... Oh, crikey, there's a lot of factions here. So I, know, the... I know, I know. No, so what's this... oh, no, so they're no, moving yeah, no, the prisoners no. before Stephen Seagal shuts down the building. That kind of thing, yeah. yeah okay. So so Stephen... then there's Stephen Seagal... And what's his name? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Steve Austin. Then there seems to be this sort of three-man fan club of Steven Seagal and Steve Austin who work with them, who, who turn up at one point. Then there are the, out of the bad guys. They're the ones dressed up as U.S. Marshals. Then there are the ones that have come in the truck. You know, where? <laughs> I, 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 what? I, you know, it's honestly, it's dizzying, and it's it's just so confusing. Is there no plot? Is, is no, there's it... loads of plot, but none of it makes any. Well, you know, it does make sense. It just, they're just, there's just so much sort of action with like these people walking around with guns and say cover and and copy that. But look, look, I've got some lines. I typed, I transcribed some lines. Here we go. Control. We got a security expert on the loose. Manning conversed in special ops. He went through the south boiler room. Can you track him? Don't see him. He must be off the grid. I need access now. I'm going to start blowing doors and track Manning. He's bad news. Stand down, Collins. That's an order. Fields. Do you have a visual? Nothing but empty cell blocks. 
Oh. There's another one. <laughs> we have an intrusion in the motor pool. A three-man HSO team. Stand by. I'm going to shut off the power in the cell block. What? Then the 10-4. Team 1. Sweep Sector 7. Kill everyone. Teams 2 and 3. Set up a perimeter defence. My team. Tight to me. Let's move. What? So there's just all this sort of generic army babble while yeah. these total ball bags just parade around the, par- the, the this blue lit prison with this really annoying acme kind of you know generic thriller soundtrack going yeah. on and on in the background and it is so boring and <laughs> and the thing is oh, boring like and Steve, confusing it's really confusing but it's just there's just not because it's all so repetitive there's just no drama at all and like steven seagal I don't have anything particularly against him. I do think he seems a bit like... He doesn't seem to have any charisma to me. No. But, like, I mean, in this, he looks quite old. He just looks a bit like a sort of tanned slug, like, wandering <laughs> around. And the thing is, like, he he's kind of... like he. I mean, he genuinely is quite good at fighting, I believe. I mean, hmm. he's trained in some kind of martial art, because I'm not really into martial art. I don't know what martial art I he's can't into. Remember. Was it jiu-jitsu? Was it... I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I can't. I really have no idea. One of them. But the point is, it's all really tiny movements, as if hmm. he's got really short arms. And, like, the thing Maybe is, I'm sure... it's Tyrannosaurus something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He looks like a Tyrannosaurus, <laughs> yeah. He looks like Jabba the Hutt after some, like, <laughs> calisthenics. But, like, the point is, he... I'm sure that, in fact, like a someone who's really into martial arts would say, well, actually, his fight scenes are really realistic because he's doing the minimum amount of, you know, movement. Mm. You know, it's hardly he just sort of like just does these little kind of like little movements with his arm. And I'm sure that's well, but it's so boring to watch. You know, we're used to films like I know you're not a big fan of it, but like The Raid and stuff, you know, really balletic, you know, incredible choreography. Sure. He's just just so boring to watch this tool hitting people. There's just. And, th- and as well, there's not even any I also cook lines. You know, remember, oh. like, like, Under Siege, you know? Yeah, yeah, which I is still cook. terrible. Like a, yeah, yeah like, there's no, like, really sort of fun line like that. I mean, it's just... What? Oh, yes, you know, there is one, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who I also... I'm sorry, I didn't dislike him, but I just found him a bit but of I, a, Don't apologise, uh, I have no love for him, I just know the man's name. <laughs> right. Well, he has... You know, so, like, if you... I mean, I sort of went through a stage where I felt like I almost collected um, sort of action movie you know, post-shooing someone sign-off lines, you know, yeah. like, leave my friend, he's dead tired, or Jesus <clears throat> Christ, guess again, you know, all that stuff, because yeah. I loved them. But there's the only one I'm like that in this is, is um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, S-C-S-A, says, um, uh, no pain, no gain after impaling someone on a piece of gym, inqu- uh, gym equipment. Oh, I believe they're yeah. called zingers, aren't they? Yeah, zingers, thank you, yeah. Post-victory sign-off lines, I call them. <laughs> You've got more of those post-victory sign-off lines. <laughs> the thing is, okay, so as you can tell, I'm quite het up because I... This, Are I you really offended did... by how bad this was? Yeah, this is... This actually, you know, we talked about some of the bad films. I think... I think this is the worst film I've watched for a long time. Wow. I just, It was just so boring. And I got annoyed with it. And I think it's... We talked last time when we were talking about... Um, uh, running scared we talked about charm yes and the thing is like all the action heroes have charm in some way you know not necessarily like bond charm but there's magnetism or charisma like i love loads of them i'm not some anti-action like snob i love jason statham movies he's been in loads of terrible ones but i could still watch them all day long yeah arnie has presence the muscles from brussels is pretty oh, cool. I, I love longer the JCBD, I could watch. like in you know his uh 
he, he's terrible, but at the same time, there's something about him that's quite magnetic. Exactly. And then more like older ones. I like Charles Bronson. I used to watch loads of Chuck Norris. I watch. I remember renting um, Missing in Action one, two, and three. My God, you know, you're a glutton for punishment. I know they're terrible. And then more recently, like I, I really like Dwayne Johnson. I like Vin Diesel. You know, yeah. all these people I like, but these guys, I honestly think you and me would have been better in this film than these two. Oh, like, that is just really boring. Are we are we awarding this an E? Is this an is this an yeah. E on the scale just to cut to the chase? Yeah, yeah. It's just I I you know I don't think this is worth watching at all. No, 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 no. Good for this moment. No, no. It's just actually run like the plague. It's just really boring. No point. I'm not going to give it an E minus because I've got to reserve that for something that actively makes me want to find the person who made it and and hit him or her. This just <laughs> this just. This just is terrible. It's E E plus, but I don't like using the word plus. All right. Well, sorry. That's fine. I mean, in many ways, you know, you valiantly threw yourself under that bus. You get, I think there was a distinct possibility that a Steven Seagal movie could have a certain kitsch charm that could be great. Unfortunately, no. I know exactly, and this is the thing because I, I was not a fan of Under Siege, but I didn't totally hate Under Siege. I just thought this is very, very third string diehard. And that's, but uh, I still gave it the time of day. You know, I still I bothered thought, to watch though, it. So out of all of them, Seagal was always the bottom rung of that sort of like yeah that chain yeah. of of, um, of of action heroes, which is yeah. gives us an interesting segue to mine. Oh, do tell because you gave me a slightly different kind of movie. You gave me a prison movie. Yes. But you gave me a prison comedy. Oh, oh yes, I did. It's yes, coming back you now. you did. You gave me. So as, you, <laughs> as we said, Steven Seagal was sort of the bottom rung of those action stars. So I've got a Rob Schneider movie. And he is very much the bottom rung <laughs> of those sort of comedians, even below Adam Sandler, which is quite <laughs> impressive. Like, don't get me wrong. I, you know, Adam Sandler has made some terrible movies. We've talked about this before, but there are still mm. a couple of his that I love, and he yeah, makes me, me laugh too. a lot. And I have a certain soft spot. I can't remember if you like this or not. For Juice Bigelow, male gigolo. Yes. No. You know, I I have a soft spot for it, but it's a, that's definitely a film that you 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 introduced to me. And yes, no, I've got a soft spot for that. Yeah. I, and I, th- I I I've got a soft spot for his face. I want him to be funnier than he is. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And I, I, think, I, can, I can hang around with that dude. Yeah, yeah. There and, and there are times, like I say, Juice Bigelow, Mel Gigolo has its moments, which I find very funny. <laughs> Apart from anything else, the title's brilliant. Um, yeah. So, but since then, I don't think many people would, would be able to recall a cracking Rob Schneider film. Hmm. So, you gave me Big Stan. Um, essentially, the plot of Big Stan... I'll try and outline in very simple strokes. Is Rob Schneider is a uh, is a sleazy real estate developer mm-hmm. who right at the top gets arrested and indicted for fraud and then gets convicted very quickly. And he after he gets convicted, he has until the next day before sentencing, at which point he switches his lawyer from his quite uh, reputable lawyer to a really sleazy lawyer right? Um, played by M. Emmett Walsh. Um, and this sleazy lawyer, basically, he just instructs him to bribe the judge to get him off. Right. The sleazy lawyer bribes the judge and gets him a six-month stay of execution, as it were. So six months suspended until he goes to prison. But he's still going to go to prison for three years. Right. 
Rob Schneider's primary focus over the this six months before he goes to prison is to stop himself getting anally raped. <laughs> God. So, and that's all he talks about. And um, he goes to a bar, he gets drunk with a dude, and basically he goes to a biker, a, a sort of biker-looking bar and gets drunk with a dude and says, right, this guy, you've been to prison, tell me what it's like. And he's like, yeah, you're just going to get raped. Um, <laughs> and that is sort of how the rest of it continues so he um then decides to become he, he tries a number of different measures to stop this right um he gets himself a tattoo in the uh posterior region to try and make oh it less appealing yeah, he okay. um uh gets his wife to break him in gently and oh my god really he uh also tries to become i can't believe i've given you this kind of film we are Marshall... really plumbing the depths i've given i've given myself sigal and now I'm giving you this go on sorry and then he yeah. then he decides to become a martial arts expert right to be able to fight anyone um and as he gets thrown out of the martial arts um I was going to say martial arts warehouse. That sounds like some sort of terrible <laughs> script thing. As he gets thrown out of the out of the dojo, let's call it the dojo. Dojo. As he yeah, gets thrown out of the dojo, David Carradine, who is some sort of you know post grasshopper style sensei, mm. um, then takes him on and decides to teach him how to become a martial arts legend. Yeah. Okay. Well, just to cut in, I'm remembering now. I knew I'd given you. I've, I remember now. I gave you a a, a comedy with that dude in. The, the appearance of Carradine on the little picture I saw. You know, we always mm. try not to research these films yeah, too yeah. much before we just do them. He was the reason I thought, I'm giving that one to Ben. Yeah, so we've got David Carradine, uh, a girl, a, a, an actress called Jennifer Morrison, or an actor, I should say, called Jennifer Morrison, um, who's great in house, really like her, and she plays his wife in this. Um, yeah, you've got Carradine, you've got this, and then the movie splits to its other half when he goes to prison. Right, so it is a prison drama. Yeah, and Good. when he gets to prison, um, a large chunk of the cast are MMA fighters in right. real life. Um, and basically he goes to prison and uh, finds the biggest rapist there and then beats him up to right. to, to like you know establish his um, credentials and then sort of tries to instigate a programme backed up by the fear of getting beaten up by him of uh no raping and racial harmony among the prisoners right um at the same time the warden of the prison is pretty corrupt and is trying to sell the land of the, the prison's land to another real estate developer and he tries to enlist rob schneider in a plan because he knows he used to be a, a, a corrupt real estate developer to to sort of to to, to work all this out um so yeah, that's that's the basic plot. That's our basic plot. So Rob Schneider is a crooked guy, gets sent to prison, terrified gets trained of rape, up. Yeah, becomes really. Um, Does he become really good at martial arts? Yeah, yeah. He, you know, you can punch a, a, his finger through a wooden block, and you know, loads of stuff like that. And then yeah, goes to prison and sort of tries to promote equality. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, now I'm trying to work out how I really approach this. Overall, if you take it right back to the first scene, the first scene is him talking to an old lady, mm. and he's trying to sell her a piece of land. And he, oh, well, not a piece of land. Sorry, he's trying to sell her a, a place in a retirement community. And oh, okay. she says that her nephew has checked out the retirement community, and it's in a really bad neighbourhood. 
Okay. Um, and then he sort of launches into a two-minute speech about, yes, it is a bad neighbourhood. It's full of black people. And um, black men are insatiable in their hunt for white women. And tries to sell her on the idea that basically this sort of 70-plus woman is going to uh, have a lot of hot action with black men if she moves into the thing. Right. Now, I'm not very easily offended. Um, and I I sort of watched this. No, I don't think of you as someone who's easily no, offended. No, I, I generally tend to think in comedy there's no subject that's off limits and, you know, you can be pretty, you know, taboos are there to be broken, that sort of thing. But yeah. I do think that if you're going to do that, you have to do it cleverly and you have to do it without malicious intent. Ah. Um, and... I would I, I after the first five minutes of this movie, I was actually kind of offended. <laughs> wow. It's and it's not because I hold old people sacred. Trust me, I don't. And it's not because I hold race or um sexual orientation sacred. There you know, you can You can make jokes about this. You can make jokes stuff. about this stuff. Mm. But what you can't do is make jokes about this stuff if deep down in your very dark little core you actually think that this stuff is at its root funny, that people are black and that's quite funny is funny, or that people are gay and that's mm. quite funny is funny. Like do you know what I mean? Like yeah, you, yeah. you can look at you can you can laugh at social situations, you can laugh at um you know we can take the Mickey out of each other for any number of reasons. But if you deep down in your core are going, yeah, look, I'm making this sort of, like, gay gag. But you also know that out the side of their eye, they're sort of going, wink, wink, but gays are funny, aren't they? Mm. And that's how it feels. Because the next bit, I was, I sort of kind of got offended then, and then it moved to this scene in the biker bar, which turned into a gay bar. Right. Um, And the, the way they treated, like, they sort of treated people being gay in that, and that's throughout the whole movie like a comedic diversion like it's still kind of like yeah we're inclusive but <laughs> funny gay guys are funny because they kiss dudes oh wow um and i saw, I, saw I, and I thought should i be offended because maybe i'm just being a bit hypersensitive so i showed it to my wife i showed the opening five minutes to my wife who's also pretty unoffendable and she said yeah it's a bit like watching it's a bit like a movie that a 12 year old donald trump would have made <laughs> And I'm pretty sure she nailed it. <laughs> wow, this is amazing. I've never seen you like this about comedy. Because yeah. the thing is, what you're sort of describing now, because I think I am a bit more easily, I'm a bit more prudish than you, I think in some ways. That's yeah. not to say you're a sort of, I don't know, a gut. I don't mean any, to cast any whatevers. No, 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 I, I think it's true. But I think I think I can be more easily offended. But it's, well, it's more that I find... Comedy, I have a very, I hate it when I feel you can sense sometimes. Mm. The, it's a bit like what you were saying, actually. You, you described it very well. You can sense sometimes the beating heart behind the comedy. Yeah. And frankly, it's sometimes rather vicious. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And behind some comedies, however, they can go in all kinds of horrible places. But if there's a warmth, if there's a soul behind it, then it, you kind of forgive it of where it goes. But if there's 
frankly, the the beating heart of something quite nasty behind it, something quite right wing, maybe, or quite sort of. Yeah, this is just. So, you know, I think I think the people who made this are so unintentionally. It's almost like they're unknowingly, but very fundamentally homophobic <laughs> and racist. Yeah. So yeah, this is the worst movie I've seen. <laughs> is it really? Because not only is it a bit mean-spirited and horrible, it's really not very funny. And it's terrible on so many levels. The <laughs> acting is appalling. The script is appalling. Just it. David Carradine is just pimping himself out. Um, the uh, uh, Jennifer Morrison, who I like as an actress, again, again. So this is another thing. She's the only female character, really, in it. Listeners, and I really wish you could see Ben's face right now. So vacuous. It just has such little respect for women as well. Mm. And it's just like there is no... This, this, this does not... There's just no redeeming factors about this. Like I said, there may be, like, two funny gags in it. Um, but I think I've heard them before as well. Uh, there's one, like, there's one Scientologist gag. Well, that's all, you know, you can have a pop mm. at them, I guess. But um, but basically, it's an hour and forty five minutes too long. Oh God, is it that long? Yeah. God, that's quite long too. Oh, and it, it laughs at funny midgets too. There's a, it laughs. Actually, I think it bundles them together. It laughs at there's a funny Asian midget. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so two at the same time. That's good. yeah. There's a there's one great scene where Rob Schneider gets beaten up a lot. That's quite entertaining. Oh, that's good. about it. How many minutes is that in so people can jump to that? Oh God, no, I mean. 20 minutes you have to have earned it you have to really hate him by that point Um, how does it work by the way if someone watches this does Rob Schneider get a bit of money oh well he's already sold it to Netflix okay so so you watch. so the deed's been done you watching Uh, it won't won't make him any richer but it will make you poorer by 145 minutes (laughs) 145 minutes no sorry an hour and 45 minutes that was a terrible miscalculation glad I don't work for NASA Um, an hour and 45 minutes and by little bits of your soul, and as you can tell from the number of times I said rape, it massively trivialises rape. Yeah, well, this, yeah, I did, when I chose this, I just want to defend myself a little bit because I'm feeling quite guilty for making you watch this. I, because the whole point of that, making this work, I have to, I don't do too much research. No. And... It shows sometimes. You know what? I, I just thought this was my payback for giving myself a Michael Mann movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was an element of that, definitely. There was definitely that. And what I wanted to say earlier, which I couldn't, is when we were talking about the movies that we've seen that were good, that were terrible, and you brought up Life Without Dick, and he's like, that's the worst we've ever watched. I was going to put my hand up and say, not anymore. Not anymore. Okay, so, okay, right. Well, I think... Well, we have a scale that sorry. runs from A to E, and this is an F. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, wow. moving on from that, let's move on to something lighter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's move on from, <laughs> from that to the lovely, heartwarming story of Carl Panzram, a uh, real-life serial killer. But in a fictionalised account. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. So, what's, uh, this, this movie is called Killer, Journal of a Murderer. Now, you've no idea how proud I am of myself. That's the first time I've actually remembered what this movie is called, past the colon. <laughs> Well, as well, I think you've got it wrong, actually, dude. I think it's called A Journal of Murder. Oh, God, it probably is. I still haven't got it right. Excellent. <laughs> you too. It just doesn't stick okay. in my brain for some reason. Um, so just for first-time listeners, do explain. 
this is the film we've watched together. Absolutely. Well, not together, but we've both watched this one. Yeah. And, um, well, do you want to go on? It's well, from 1995. It's 1995. So it's the year after Shawshank. Well, yeah, let me, let me, let me say this, you know, because this is a yeah, movie go. that you chose. Yes. And you gave me. And mm-hmm. it's always, I didn't do any research on it. I just put it on. I was always, I was slightly put off by the fact that it had a colon. Because yes. generally, <laughs> always not a good answer. idea. However, um, it does, did remind me of another title, which I'll come back to later. And it's based on a book that has that same colon. Oh, yeah, sure. In the title. So, yeah. But, yeah. you know. <laughs> still not good. <laughs> okay, go it on. doesn't mean you have to willy-nilly use colons. <laughs> no. Um, so, the, uh, the movie started, and I got excited by three things. Mm-hmm. It has Oliver Stone in large letters. Yes. Uh, that, that name doesn't Suspiciously really appear large. again. <laughs> yeah. um, James Woods, great. And Fantastic. Robert Sean Leonard, who I like yeah. a lot. Um, yeah, me too. And... Uh, and then it sort of, it, 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 you know, the movie starts. Yeah, essentially, like you say, it's a story of Carl Panzram, yeah, who was a real-life serial killer. Although it's one of those funny, like, line things. You never know really what constitutes a serial killer or just a mass or multiple murderer. It, yeah, exactly. And I don't. I think serial killer actually is is misleading. Quite right, I think it's it? misleading. Because, yeah, serial killer. People think of. Jack the Ripper, they think of, in fictional land, they think of, the, you know, the dude in Seven or whatever. This guy was just much more of just a homicidal maniac. Yeah, well, I, I think even even less, I, I'd actually say not even homicidal maniac, because that conjures up images to me of someone, someone on a spree, essentially. But this yeah. guy was just institutionalised from a very young age, a career criminal mm. to whom killing didn't really mean very much. It was just a means to get what he wanted. So he would True. kill people if the situation um, arose. Say, but yes. it's not like yet, yeah, not like he was going out and hunting people like Ted Bundy or something like that. No, although I think from reading about him a bit, I think it did get a little bit more like that in oh, certain stages it? of his life. That's a little bit. But I still don't think I still don't yeah, I still that, actually, I, that's take, an interesting I think point, the point be, is still valid. Because that ha- but that whole sort of um side of him doesn't really get touched on in the movie very much. It's it's much more of a side. Anywho, no. so we find him um well we start with Robert Sean Leonard, essentially, mm-hmm. as a newly freshly minted prison guard going yeah. to Leavenworth. Yeah. It's depression era, isn't yes, it? Yes, depression era. Um, yeah. Everything's very brown. And yeah. Robert Sean Leonard is Jewish, which is sort of interesting, actually, in the context of the whole movie, I think. Mm. If only because it doesn't really have a bearing on anything. So it's unusual that he mentions it because it is not relevant to anything that happens. But I kind of thought that maybe the filmmakers were making that point that actually... You know, he doesn't get discriminated against. Bad things don't happen. He just happens to be Jewish. Although it's kind of interesting. Anyway. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Um, I digress. But then he yeah. goes to work at this prison. He starts taking Definitely. interest in this Carl Panzram guy. Um, because actually, as well as being sort of vicious, he also seems to be quite intelligent. And they spark yeah. up a relationship that essentially ends up with um, him finding out the life story and the... Uh, and about the killings from Carl's own mouth and own pen, as it were. Yeah, because it's all sparked off because quite early on, um, he's beaten up by a guard really badly in front of um, his character's Henry Lesser, yes. isn't he? the, the sympathetic guard. And yeah, so James Woods is beaten up really badly, and this is and he and, Pat, and he's horrified by it. And yeah, so that's why that's what sparks their their friendship. Yes, he's he's become a that. prison guard because he got laid off from the tailors he worked at for joining the union. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's not right. exactly a man of he's not a big man. He's not a man of violence. He's 
uh, a thoughtful yeah. man who decides that maybe he can do some good by joining the prison service. And yeah. the rest of the prison guards are very much, as you see in many, many prison guards of that era, they seem to be vicious and sort of lacking in a, a certain degree of humanity. Yes. So through his friendship, yeah, with Pandram, he finds out about his deeds and... um. Um, it's it sort of the movie really explores the friendship between two men from very yeah. different sides of the of the fence kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, it's not a very sort of easy story to tell as in um, as in Carl Panzram is really, you know, I mean, they play it down in the film. If anything, they make him slightly. I mean, he's definitely, you know, James Woods plays him as he, you know, as a vicious. I, I you think know, just, you know. Uh, Unsurprisingly, I think James Woods is great in this. He plays it in a very mm. understated, vicious way. Like he's hard yeah. as nails. He's not a nice person. And not you do find yourself marginally sympathetic to him because yeah. I think because you see him through the eyes of um, of our sympathetic guard character. But yeah. basically, he doesn't waver though. He is generally. It's a bit like that um, uh, thing with uh, scorpion and a scorpion whatever, and the frog. Or yeah, whatever. like why did you sting me? Well, that's what I do, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he carries on being exactly the same, and then it sort of turns into a sort of massive. It all it 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 almost turns into a sort of film that's a that's sort of about the nature versus nurture debate. Yes. it's about the 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 what's wrong with the prison system that the prison system itself created this monster kind Absolutely. of thing. Absolutely, yeah, all, it's definitely much about the penal system brutalizing people and how. Yeah, how and, yeah, I mean they they say it quite. You know, ham-fistedly, I think at the end it's very much like, yes, he was a product of being in here the whole time. There's some sort of yeah. analyst who comes comes along and just yeah, and does it, ABC I mean, as, it as well. We've already talked a little bit about the cast, and just one thing I was quickly going to mention is that the very first, more or less, I think the first person you see is um, the old Henry Lesser, yes, played by Harold Gould, who's Kid Twist in The Sting. Oh my god! <laughs> I know it's really nice seeing him because he kind of doesn't look that much older than he no, did in the Sting. He doesn't, does he? <laughs> and um, yeah, I so that's more or less the first him, person you see. Now you yeah. mention it, oh yeah, because yeah, in real life, okay, so this is obviously based on a true story, and so Carl Panzer, so Lesser, um, did what he did, befriended Carl Panzer and got him to sort of write down his his story yeah but it took 40 years before the book got published it wasn't published until the 1970s mm-hmm. um so that's why you're seeing an old lesser because that's supposed to be sort of him when the book finally right yeah reaches the public domain kind of thing sure anyway i, I mean so what are your thoughts on this film because I, just before we actually get to our review in ways you know in this in this episode i've given me a terrible Seagal movie you a dreadful sounding comedy but in ways i think this film is just the kind of film we you know i want us to find as in i'm not saying i thought it was good but just purely because it's a one-time director really interesting cast you know a kind of quite an unusual little story i I, I agree with you yeah um you know it's the kind of thing that again you might you might sort of flick across and go oh james woods and robert shaw leonard um i might give that a go oh but i've got to go and pick up the badger from the vet or whatever so i don't really have time so anyway i'll just watch something that i've heard of from hollywood so actually but, yeah, but you know it, that acknowledged would i necessarily recommend people watch this i'm i'm in the no camp well i'm in the mm, 
maybe camp. Mm, yeah, I, I think mm. I think it has some problems. Um, yeah, I think it's it, it's certainly interesting for yeah. the performances. Yeah, both of the, the both those actors are great. In fact, the whole cast yeah. is good. I think. Yeah. Um, and if you want it, oh well, no, I wouldn't say it gives you any real historical insight. Um. I think if you're interested in true crime, you know, if you're a true crime enthusiast, if you're well, interested I know this is, in but this is of... the problem though, this is why I disagree with you actually. I think if you're interested in true crime, the problem with this is it's very surface. And I mm. think that the writer director thought that the things um in it that were shocking were so shocking they were really shocking, but actually they're not very shocking. Yeah. Um and actually you'd like to know a bit more about this guy, whereas they sort of schlug off his twenty one killings. That's sort of what we. That's all I know about him, apart from one scene where he forces himself on a librarian. Or yeah, that's exactly. slightly oddly played, I think. Yeah, it's weird that one, isn't it? They, they kind of they show it and then they they go away. But no, I mean this is the thing. Karl Panzerman was not only a murderer. You know, he was a truly awful human being. Right. You know, if if you go on do a little bit of reading about him, I mean, this guy raped and killed a lot of people. Okay. He so, attacked a lot of people. That, well, that's not that isn't the sense you really get from um, from this movie. You get very much get the sense that he's almost not misunderstood, but at the same time a victim of the system, and yeah. um, you know, and not that bad a guy, even though he just sort of killed twenty one people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's why I, I think it's it's a weird little film in lots of ways. So, I mean, let's say a bit more about Tim Metcalf because he's the director, and like if you look him up on IMDb, this yes. is the only thing he's directed. Yeah, but he's written quite a lot of things. Like he wrote California. Yes, which I like. I don't. I, yeah. I don't think. You know, it's one of those things. In retrospect, I I enjoyed it. I don't think it's probably that good a movie, California, but I sort of have a soft spot for it. But yeah, yeah, he wrote uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Yes, I know. <laughs> that was the one that I was going to bring out. It's like, yes, the writer of Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> no. Which I discovered. The thing is, I remember Revenge of the Nerds in video shops. In the 80s, yeah. I didn't actually see it. I finally got around to seeing it in my 20s and really have quite a soft spot for it, mm. especially um, Curtis, whatever his name is, who plays Booger. But anyway, the point is that, like, I mean, he's got his writing credits are things like Snoop Dogg's Bones yeah. and A Haunting in Connecticut. You know, and frankly, lots of films that I don't like very much. Well, the thing is, this isn't very well written. No. It's pretty <laughs> clunky. It's uh, very clunky at times. I mean, as a, as a whole thing, I think overall it feels very, very televisual. Yes, yes. Okay, I have the note. I had TV movie down in my Yeah, it feels so. like such TV movie where they somehow mm. managed to score James Woods. I'm not going to say that they scored Robert Shaw Leonard because even though I think he's actually a really good actor and I like him and everything he's in, he's he's not had the sort of meteoric career. You know, he did. No, it sort of Dead Poets Society, Society was kind of interesting, and then he didn't really seem to to set the world on fire after that. Yeah, and I just I I'm, as well I just there are a few scenes that I liked. You know, yeah. there like there were individual scenes that I thought were okay, and I definitely thought James Woods was was pretty good. But then every now and then there'd be a bit where I just kind of thought. You know, James Woods does this sort of would do a sort of wry smile or something, where it was really kind of telegraphed what he's supposed to oh, be yeah. acting. He yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. and you kind of just think, yeah, that's not James Woods' fault. That's the director's fault. Yeah. They shouldn't have done that. That's too. That's laying it on to something or other. Yeah, no, you know what I mean. It's just it's just not very well directed or very well written. Is the problem? Yeah. Um, and it has some very random scenes. Oh my god! It's actually the the final scene. Mm. 
Is it the, yeah, I think it's the final scene, maybe. Are you going to avoid spoilers? Or yeah, I'm going to avoid spoilers in case stories, I want to but... watch it. But there's a scene right at the end when he goes into a bar. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And I just it looks like a student film. Yeah, the I way totally that's done agree. is so bad. That's more or less the last shot, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, or is it the last shot? I can't it might quite remember. Might be the but, last yeah. shot, and it's and it's just like a student film. It's terrible. Yeah, I don't think it is. I've remembered now. There is one more shot after that, but either way, yeah, I totally agree. That one was like, okay, that's weird. Yeah, bad. but it's used like <laughs> one thing. Okay, sorry. No, all I was going to say is that one thing about James um, James Woods's character hmm. is that so obviously he, he's a very nihilistic character and it actually reminded me of jack crow the character he plays in john carpenter's vampires oh um, you know he's just quite sweary and aggressive <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and like um and that's easily the favorite of my of my favorite bad john carpenter film because it is bad but i really quite like it and i do think you know like hugh grant is very good at swearing yes i do think james woods is that his name yeah yeah, sorry. I do think James Wood is very good at saying cocksucker. Oh yeah, nice. And he says this he a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he's that's that's his that's his swear. You're right. You know? It's something to do with the way he's, he's really good at it. Like, Cuck. He does. Yeah. Well. He does. He does it well. But the first one, weird thing. Did you notice this film's dedicated to Sam Peckinpah? Yeah, I did. And I did a bit of research to find out why. Yeah, why is it's that? It's unbelievably pedestrian. Well, is it? The director yeah. credits the Wild Bunch for uh, what him wanting to make movies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like yeah. it's yeah. So it's sort of just a bit like pretensions to his roots kind of thing. Yeah. Well, anyway, the thing is, I didn't. I definitely. I'm going to say now. I didn't hate this film. No. I I say again. I thought it was an interesting film to stumble upon because I hadn't heard of it. I agree with you entirely. That's what this is why I can see why I hadn't heard of it. I totally agree. It's a bit TV. I think it is a bit of a mess, but it does have some good performances in it. It's quite an interesting story, but I agree. You know, there's some. It's just quite a weird story, though. You kind of think, why are you focusing on this? What, what are you trying to say? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I, there's, there's times when you kind of go, you don't quite know what you want to say, and I'm not sure why you're using this serial killer as a device to say what you want to say about the human condition because it's just not yeah. working. Um, and I think, yeah, look, I, I I'm with you. I don't think this is not a bad movie. It's not a good movie. It's mm. um, if it comes on the TV, which since it's on Netflix, you'd have to do it yourself. But um, <laughs> on a sort of, it feels like a Sunday afternoon that you kind of go, "There's nothing else to do. It's raining. I'll watch this." But actually, yeah. you're probably better off reading a book. I think you'd be better off reading the book yeah. or read or reading a doc, or, or watching a documentary about this guy. Yeah. You know, I honestly think that'd be better. I I just I yeah. So I don't think it is a recommend for me. And but I I think I think. I made me want to watch Angels with Dirty Faces. Oh yeah, well that's a good idea. Don't so just watch Angels with Dirty Faces instead. <laughs> well, but, I'd say in, in I mean, do we have a do we have a are we C minus or are we D plus on this? I think the thing is, I'm, I'm constantly slightly shifting because I kind of remember. Oh, but you gave that a D plus. Yeah, and I this know, is better but... than that or D minus. So it's difficult. But I think this is. I think this is a D plus. It might be a D plus. It's not been a great yeah. week, has it? No, and I feel quite, you can imagine, I do feel responsible, I feel sort of guilty, but at the same time, this is what we set out to do. Absolutely. I stand by my choices. I honestly went into Seagal, Seagal thinking this would be fun, and it wasn't. Yeah. I honestly thought, you know, give you a rubbish comedy, there might be some gems in it. I'm really glad that you've you've taken the bullet on that. <laughs> and I thought this, and I'm still glad I watched this. I'm still this glad I watched it, I just, you know, don't think anyone else needs to. Um, no. But I think that, you know, in keeping with the theme 
of prisons and penal reform, the fact that you show remorse is a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I do love James Woods. Yeah, so do I. Just not this movie. No. So, uh, that is us for these three. Next week, we're going to be um, veering away from the penal system or... Yay! We're going to go, actually, so far away from it, we're going to a place where maybe there isn't law and order anymore. Tell me, tell me, tell me, We're going to be watching post-apocalyptic movies. Oh, have you done some research? Are there enough? There are enough. I have done some research. Oh, cool. So we're going to be, you know, I mean, there is some (laughs) debate about whether post-apocalyptic movies can exist because the apocalypse should be the end of the world. But let's call it a semi-post-apocalyptic landscape. But yes. Yeah, I can't be bothered to fuss about it. No, neither can I. We're going to call it post-apocalyptic. We're going after some, but I'm not going to limit us to a genre. Okay. Um, it could be a romance. It could be a horror movie. It could be a sci-fi. Comedy. Could be a comedy. Yeah. Anything out there, but it has. To, it's going to have a post-apocalyptic flavour, which is not something you can get in a pot noodle. Well, I for one, I'm glad. I, 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 I want to get away from crime and prisons. It's been depressing. Yeah. Well, we're going to go. We're going to go for the uplifting world of post-apocalypse. <laughs> Until then, don't be afraid to get in touch. Do email us on wewatchanything at gmail.com. Do tweet at us at wewatchanything. We um, we got liked by an exciting actor this week. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Another listener, Giles Edwards, tweeted at us. That was oh, nice. And another him. listener, and a listener called Penny, um, told us that. Do you remember the Disaster oh, yeah, Movies yeah, yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about a global killer and we couldn't remember. Well, I think we did know, but we didn't mention which film it was from. And she kindly piped up that it's from um, Armageddon. Exactly. So. Thank you, Penny. All shout out. Shout out. <laughs> all submissions greatly received. Like I say, email us on Gmail, tweet us on Twitter and look us up on Facebook. I'm sure they'll be there. Something on the Facebook account one day. But uh, until then, don't watch any of the movies we watched this week. Go look in the back catalogue and watch one of those. Ha, ha, ha.